Hello, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to Eric and welcome back to Bhuvan and welcome to our in-person um, participants. It's nice to have more and more real flesh and blood bodies here uh, to energize this space. <clears throat> nice to see everyone. Um, today, I want to begin by remembering that um, when you do maple syruping, you collect 40 gallons of sap to make one gallon of syrup. 40 gallons of maple sap have to be cooked and boiled down for one gallon of maple syrup. And that is something like what happens in our practice. You sit, I sit for 40 years and we get one moment of awareness, <laughs> one instant of awakening. This is our practice. It, it may not, it may seem overwhelming and much too difficult to sit and sit and sit and sit and be quiet and be still for that one precious moment of silent stillness when everything becomes clear. But that moment that we have practiced for all of that time to discover is the most precious moment that we can have in our lives. It is a moment of enlightenment and it is incredible, but we have to practice and practice and practice in order to open up the possibility of that moment. Much like cooking and cooking that maple sap to get that precious gallon of syrup. So last week, Angio gave a wonderful talk on the root of anger. And I've found lately that it's important for me not to allow these, uh, these experiences, these talks, uh, the things that people have brought up to simply disappear without spending a moment, stopping for a moment and investigating what was said. This is that, um, this is that moment of stopping and, oh, let's look a little more deeply into this topic of anger. And so I spent some time allowing, allowing these 
thoughts and responses to Ongo's talk to evolve in me. And began to actually follow, you might say, follow the root of anger that Ankyo introduced to follow it myself and see where it led. And one of the things that I discovered, and I think the topic of this talk today reflects that, is that anger is mixed. It's a mixed feeling. It's a mixed state of being. Anger itself, the word anger, is just a concept. You can look it up in the dictionary. And as a concept, it's pure. It just has basically one meaning. But if you actually investigate that experience of anger, you find that it is not anger at all. It's fear, it's envy, it's confusion, it's frustration, it's grief, it's, it's mixed. It's not a single thing. And if we take some time to investigate, to look more deeply, we find that what we thought was a single thing, anger, is not a single thing at all. In fact, to use Thich Nhat Hanh's expression, anger is made up of all non-anger elements. And I recall, I know Shulong isn't here today, but I keep remembering her comment when she was talking about a fight that she had with her boyfriend and saying that she was angry and not angry at the same time. She was angry and not angry. Does, I mean, that, that is a that is anger. Anger is made up of non-anger. So if we take the moment to genuinely experience anything really, but in this case, anger, we discover that we're angry, but in that tiny little space of awareness, we're not angry. We're really not. That anger actually has whatever we call it, or that mixed experience has actually disappeared and, and was not anger even in the first place. But it takes that kind of pressing the pause button even for a nanosecond I'm angry, but I'm, I'm not. And to allow ourselves to not be angry, to not be afraid, to not be anxious, 
because that little second, that little space that we have created after 40 years of sitting, <laughs> I'm really not. I'm really not what I thought I was. It's much more complicated than that. And actually, it's not that at all. So one of the things that happens when, you, when you've practiced coming to that moment of spaciousness, of not what you think you're experiencing, in the case of anger, you stop going to the next step of reactivity. The next step of reactivity in anger is blame. And we talked a little bit last week about the the next step after blame, which can either be a lifelong resentment, grudge, where after, after that first experience of anger, whatever that you want to call it, that sensation, you don't allow it to disappear. You don't allow it to be not anger. Then it can become a story, a narrative that you begin to reinforce that uncomfortable pain that anger has brought up in you. And so we repeat that same, we rehearse it, we uh, project it, uh, we develop the story that we keep repeating and we suffer, we suffer. So we can go if we go beyond that moment where we just let go of the anger because we're really not angry and we realize that, we can either go the route of grudge, resentment, lifelong repetition of the same story or variations of it, or as sometimes we think in Buddhist practice, we can go to forgiveness. So I've spent a little bit of time considering this forgiveness. And I'm not sure that forgiveness is all it's cracked up to be. Because you listen to the act of forgiving and you say, I forgive you. That sounds pretty prideful. I forgive you. There's an I and there's a you. And I've been hurt and I've been wounded and 
I'm taking it upon myself to forgive you, to release you, to release you from blame. And we sometimes in our practice say we should, in order to deal with anger directed toward a person particularly, we sometimes say we have to awaken compassion for that person. We come to understand that their life maybe was very difficult. Maybe they're struggling and they're making life difficult for other people. We talk about karma. You know, it's not, it's not their fault. It's their karmic journey that led them to this. And so we should awaken compassion for them and forgive them. But I'd, I'd like us to consider that true compassion may lie before forgiveness. That true compassion may lie before forgiveness in the, 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 um, the absence of blame. In order to forgive, we have to blame. But what if we, we don't even blame? What if we refrain from blame? then we don't have to forgive, right? What if we can live in such a way that before we blame, before we project our own pain and discomfort onto somebody else, we refrain from doing that so that we, we don't have to forgive at all. We don't have to take that position of I forgive you. But I haven't, I haven't blamed you in the first place. That's true compassion. True compassion may be something that the other person never ever gets to experience. Never really gets to thank you for, you know. It's like, I forgive you. Oh, thank you so much. No, don't need to be thanked for compassion. So one needs to take a look at this act of forgiveness and what it really, what it really amounts to and how it's offered. And how perhaps if we take a moment to examine deeply that, for example, our practice is not when we get angry to calm down. You would think that, okay, Buddhist practice, you know, is about learning how to, to um, either eliminate anger or to, to repress it, or to just get to a calm place. I don't think so. 
our practice is not to get calm. Our practice is to find the root. Is to find what is and to face it. And to be able to take action, appropriate action when we get angry. And appropriate action isn't always just to be calm. It may be a lot more complicated than that. And we won't know that until we see clearly. And we don't move immediately to this, what is sometimes called idiot compassion, which is just, okay, everything is fine. You know, um, uh, I know you've suffered. Uh, all that is, is okay, but it isn't the root. So many of you have heard the, the story of the empty boat. This is something that, that illustrates the situation before blame, where someone is in a boat in a misty, misty lake, can't see clearly, early morning and rowing, and suddenly sees vaguely another boat coming toward his boat, it could be her boat. And suddenly there's a tension that begins to occur in the body. This boat is coming toward me. It looks like it's coming straight at me and immediately one becomes tense. And the mist begins to clear a little bit. And yes, indeed, that boat is coming directly toward you. Well, the tension grows. I may, I'm feeling threatened. I'm feeling I may be attacked. Eventually the mist clears completely and the person in the boat who is already furious and ready to respond to this boat that seems deliberately coming in his direction. The mist clears and there's no one in the other boat. The other boat is just drifting on the lake and happens to bump in. And immediately, all of that tension is relieved and the man in the boat starts laughing. <laughs> There's nobody in the boat. Not only is there nobody in the boat that's coming toward you, but there's nobody in the boat that's in the boat. <laughs> These are just two boats, two sets of conditions that are moving around in this lake. Right? So who, who's there to blame? And who's there to get angry? Who is it that is angry? So the, the, the true root of anger, perhaps, and I inv invite us to examine this, and perhaps of ev every emotion, 
is what we call in Zen practice, emptiness. There's nothing there except passing conditions. There's nothing solid there. This isn't solid. The boat isn't solid. The oars aren't solid. Even the lake isn't solid. It's all changing conditions. And so the idea here is not to forgive the offender, but to discover that the person the person who was offended doesn't exist. That's the uh, the that's the deepest, most appropriate response to anger and to blame. Not necessarily compassion for this other person, but the discovery that this person doesn't really exist. There's no one here to offend. When um, my daughter talked about moving into this new house when she was a young child, and one of the things we did when we moved into this new house was we remodeled the bathroom and we began tearing the wallpaper off the walls. It was horrible wallpaper. And behind the wallpaper, we had discovered someone had written, Joe Kulikowski was here. Joe Kulikowski was here. And we all found that really funny and wonderful. And from that point on, anytime there was any trouble, anyone got angry or uh, was distressed, we would say, it's Joe Kulikowski's fault. So this is a kind of metaphor <laughs> for the fact that nobody's to blame. It's Joe Kulikowski, whoever that Joe Kulikowski is, doesn't exist. It's just someone who is there at, at one point in time, right? He was hiding behind the wallpaper. The person who you're to blame is hiding behind the wallpaper and his name is Joe Kulikowski. 